Hello and welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG related. I am your host, Matthew, and unlike previously, I don't have two little friends in two little black boxes. I got two new friends who are actually right next to me. I got Chelsea. Hi! And Alan. Hello. <laughs> I was like, this is audio. Please say something. <laughs> but if this sounds different, I have two new friends. It's because, well, we're here at DragonCon 2021. Woo! And we have a lot of lovely audience you just heard. So um, with my two new friends, I'm going to go ahead and inter- like get into the full introductions. And then we're going to get into the news and do the main topic. You and how would people know you? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Chelsea, a.k.a. Chelsea Bites. I'm a Twitch streamer who is also hosting for AMC and Amazon for the Walking Dead universe as well as Fight Night. Uh, I've done some other things as well. I like to do a lot of role play, so if you're wondering about my RPG experience, I've been playing Pathfinder for about three years now, D&D for about a year and a half, and I do live shows as well as my own D&D campaigns and Pathfinder campaigns offline. So, hi, nice to meet you. (laughs) Huzzah! Huzzah! And Alon, welcome back, sir. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I, I'm honored to be your first guest you've ever invited back, to my knowledge. Aww. No. Yeah, to my knowledge. To my knowledge. That's fair. Yeah, okay, yeah. yes. Feel honored. Feel it's honored. an honor. <laughs> uh, I, my name's Alon. I'm with uh, Goblins and Growlers Inclusive Community through Tabletop Gaming, professional GM collective out of Richmond, Virginia. We've got award-winning published... Thank you so much. We've got award-winning published adventures. We run adventures for cons. I run Celebra D&D with voice actors for charity. I run uh, Dungeons and Drag Queens for charity, for, and I also run a few, uh, if you've seen the Morkborg campaigns, that uh, thanks to everybody who helped us raise over $20,000 for bail funds. Woo! Yay! Let's go! Morkborg! Yeah. Morkborg! Yeah, and then otherwise, uh, I, do, I do a lot of improv comedy. Uh, you, you might have seen me in that little, little world. Yeah. So. And uh, for those new, I am Matthew Mellis. I'm obviously one of the co-hosts and producers of Polyhedron. Uh, for my gaming experience, I've been gaming since I was 16. I have helped write and run several LARPs and tabletop games and done some professional writing on the side. Shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, and beyond that, we're going to go right into the news. So we, then we can get into the main topic. Uh, so Chelsea, do you have any news you'd like to bring? RPG news. I absolutely do. So there's this one tool that we're going to be talking about for our RPG games that you play offline and it's called Tailspire. But one big thing that has just gotten the past few days is Hero Forge support, which is amazing. Oh, that's rad. Oh, it's so good because now you can actually upload your Hero Forge characters to Tailspire, which before, you know, you just use their random characters that may fit your class or, you know, your role or your race. But now it can be just you. So this is huge. Yeah, that's that's a really that's another next level step thing. Oh, because yeah. real quick overview, we'll go into more detail later, but Tailspire is basically a full rendered 3D environment so that you can uh, basically make a dungeon or make an adventure and, and you have your guys' icons going through a 3D rendered world and Tail uh, and Hero Forge lets you make your own little minis. And so they obviously you make it online, so they can just now import that into yes. Tailspire, and bada bing, bada boom, you have your own personalized little dude. I've been following Tailspire for almost six years now, literally from when they even came up with the idea. I've been in love with Tailspire. I might, my husband would drag me because he's like, that's never coming out. All Kickstarter projects, they just fall and burn and die. And I'm like, no, this is perfect. It's going to happen. It's very polished. And they've been begging for Hero Forge support or any just some sort of partnership and to see that they're actually going to be using their models. 
immaculate. Yeah, so. that's a that's a that's a match made in heaven huge, in my in my mind. Huge. All right, Alon, what about you? Any news? Oh my gosh! Now that you ask, there's so much news. <laughs> so much in the news today. Uh, no, I, the those of you who followed me know that I love to do Super Sentai reskins for tabletop games because they're super fun, and I like making my performers be really over the top. And a good way to do that is making them do Super Sentai stuff. Well, I no longer have to reskin because they just announced that there's a new uh, uh, Power Rangers RPG coming out. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. which is super exciting. And then also, those of you who know me know that I partner a lot with a, a dive bar in Richmond called Cobra Cabana, which is a Cobra Commander-themed dive bar that <laughs> supports LGBT. <laughs> TQ plus uh, youth in Richmond, and they're amazing. And uh, I've I've done a lot of stuff with them, but I'm really excited because now there's a GI Joe themed RPG coming out. Uh, those are both official, uh, so I'm, I'm like nice. really excited to to jump into those. What company is doing that? Do you remember the name? You know, it's all the things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not off the top of my head, but uh, check them out. There. Don't don't worry. I'll put the link in the show notes. I don't know off the top of my head either. But the same company is also doing what my lo my wife loves, which is Transformers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we have a good friend of the show that is a part of that, which I'm very, very proud for him. He he loves Transformers. Oh, we're doing a Transformers themed RPG. Yeah, all three. Got, they got the license for all three of them. Yeah, official rule sets <sighs> yeah, yeah, and it's, everything. It's, it's a, because so speaking of other news, uh, as I've mentioned a couple times, the uh, last Airbender. Uh, our Kickstarter has just finished, and it probably raised over $9 billion or something silly like that. It's literally like over almost $8 million. No RPG will probably ever beat that on Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, was it seven, seven, nine? 9.5. Dear Lord. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're, you're talking to a person who's seen from the, the start of Kickstarter doing RPGs doing through Kickstarter from like... They get a couple thousand, they get like 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, then up to 100,000 and like seeing half a million, then now starting to see multi-millions and to see something like that, which is 9.5 million is insanity. I think RPGs have arrived, everyone, which is great. <laughs> They're finally here. Yeah, oh my God. You've, all, you've never had them before. Wow. They, yeah, used yeah. To, they used to laugh at me, but now everybody loves it. Yeah, it's true. Literally. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, and also, in other news, we'll go over this pretty quickly, if my phone would cooperate. Thank you. A <laughs> uh, couple really cool things that's close to near and dear to my heart and the show's heart is Exalted maybe getting a TV show. Wow. If you're familiar with that, obviously it's owned by... Um, Paradox Interactive, thank you. Uh, Paradox Interactive is working pretty much with the same company, uh, Jenkins and uh, Tate Entertainment, the people who are also doing the Scion, Scion TV show, they're developing it so they can pitch it to networks. So we may be getting two very closer related IPs becoming full-fledged te television shows. Scion, the car company. No, Scion, the RPG playing the, 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 the demigods uh, or the children of gods. Okay, I, I'm, I, I'm enlightened now, thank yes. you. Yeah. It's, it's very good. Pick, Check it out. It's awesome. It's made by Onyx Path Publishing. It's really wicked. Um, and they may be making a television show, which I think in a la similar to like American Gods and stuff like that. Huzzah. Huzzah. Uh, also, the last little bit of two be bits of news. Uh, Blades in the Dark may also be getting a television show. Are you serious? Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. Wow. And we just, I'm blown away. What, what yeah, happens? Yeah. What know. happens when they get a television? They come to light at that point, right? Is yeah, that, yeah. yeah. It's just, is with, it just is, blades? Is it a vampire? Blades in the dark. I am. I yeah. actually got to do a blades in the dark TTRPG with my friends, so that was actually yeah, wild. It's, it's a super rad system with some with some neat ideas, and the setting is basically you're playing a band of rogues in a sort of Victorian esque dark city, and you have to maneuver that entire environment. 
So you get to be scoundrels, all of you. Yeah, it really leans it leans into the intrigue aspects yeah. of. I was fun. a I was a jewel like owner. Like I had a, like a storefront, and I had like a ferret, the little raccoon ferret, and I had the glasses. <laughs> I was really into it. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's that super rad. Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least, uh, Level Up. Uh, I've said this a couple times on the show. Level Up is finally coming to Kickstarter. Oh. If, uh, that is Ian World's uh, the publisher. If you're familiar with Ian World, it's a big sort of aggregate site for RPG news. And they've been working for like the last year, about a year and a half, on something called Level Up, which is their version of what they call Vance Fifth Edition. So people who want crunchier rules for 5th edition, yes. they put a lot of time and effort into it to sort of, if you're familiar with the three, uh, like the, the three, 3.5 D&D to Pathfinder trajectory, this is kind of somewhat in that similar vein of just sort of trying to break, like mature the system and make it better because, well, D&D is like almost all RPGs now, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm super happy about that. Um, and I will put more links in the show notes for that. But other than that, let's get into the topic, which oh, no. is... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Keep that yeah. topic away from me. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't know we'd ever get here. Yeah. <laughs> I was unprepared. Yeah. Uh, so we're talking about digital age role-playing here. And uh, what my co-host and I and the audience, come help us if you have questions, we're going to talk about sort of, let's just put, let's point out the grill in the room. COVID has dramatically impacted how we all role-play. And we all miss our friends. We all miss being around the table. Um, I do. I still don't have a physical in-person role-playing game, um, but I'll get into that a little bit later. But we, everyone last year and a half have had dramatically shift from physical, predominantly physical, to digital. Because before COVID, there was a lot more in-person, only a few people. Some of the digital stuff was getting hot, like Roll20, um, Dimmy Plane, uh, uh, The Foundry, uh, a couple yes. others, uh, were starting to get developed and we're seeing some success, but now that we're all kind of living on Zoom with our friends, it becomes a situation where those have exploded and a lot of things to navigate. So we're gonna kind of go over the pros, the cons of that, as well as sort of weird things that happen in that environment. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, all be able to learn something about it. Oh, we got lots to dig lots. into. Mm-hmm. Lots. Oh, so yeah. let's go over. So let's go over the pros. Um, what are the pros of doing sort of mostly digital? Oh, and when we're talking about this, we don't really mean like bringing your actual play, your critical role to to the audience. We're talking about playing with your friends. Yeah. We're talking about your everyday sort of stuff. So what are some of the pros with this? What what helps us? What is why would we want to do it like this? Other than health safety reasons. We that kind of self explanatory. So for me, especially because of my very wild and hectic schedule, it made it so much easier to play with everybody. Like I I had friends who would want me to come through every week and do eight hour sessions. Like every week. Yikes. And and I, I I love them and I did that. I did that for months. Like that that's how much I loved playing with them. But after things just started picking up with the work, I was like, all right, I love you, but I can't do this anymore. Now I can be like, oh, hey, um, yeah, we were going to do it, you know, Sunday. Let's try this Friday instead. And, and it's not a big deal. It's not like I have to go and they have to clean up or they have to, we have to bring snacks or X, Y, and Z. You don't so. have to drive. You don't have to drive. Oh, thank God. Oh. Because that was a 30-minute <laughs> drive just to get to them. So it's just 
for me, it's very, very convenient now. Mm-hmm. That's my one big pro. Okay, sure. Alon, what about you? What's some? What's another pro of doing uh, sort of digital online role playing? Yeah, I think I think one of the biggest uh, I, I, Chelsea hit the hit the biggest, which is just like under like being able to navigate schedules is so nice, and mm-hmm. just the convenience that digital has has allowed us. I think another pro is it allows you to use some new tools, which if you use that are being developed and created all the time to make the platform of, of playing digitally more more engaging and more fun than even sometimes you can do in person, um, yes. and that's super cool. It's super exciting. Uh, to to be able to do that. I think another pro is in many ways, and I, this one goes without saying, but also I feel like saying it because it's amazing, is just like the public health, like uh, personal health of, of just like being able to play with your friends in a way that like allows you to kind of disconnect. I know we're still in front of screens, yes. but just disconnect from everything else and kind of like really lean into just uh, <laughs> some, for me, some nice fun escapism that I need sometimes, uh, yeah. The relaxation of it, like just like, I'm just hanging out with my friends and I do not have to think about being a normal person Yeah. Or, in, 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 in the life that we live right now. Yeah, so, yeah. I can be a cat boy. Can, <laughs> I, can I piggyback off of that? Cause yeah. along with just disconnecting, it's just nice to not have to be in front of people too. Like I can be with you, but I'm still at home. Yeah. And I can wear whatever I want, mm-hmm. and I can just do whatever. I want. And it's it's nice. Like I can choose to be in front of you with my camera, or I can just turn my camera off, and I can, it's just my voice. And mm-hmm. I can I can mute myself and go get a snack, and I'm not disrupting anything. Yeah. Just little things like that. It's it's nice. It's you don't very, have to clean nice. up if you got friends coming over. If you're the host, granted, if you're the host, you probably like people coming over. But regardless, you're like I don't feel like cleaning. Okay. All right, yay! Y'all can and show one up. other thing too is mm-hmm. it makes it makes um, if you are they aren't don't necessarily have a game with with friends currently. Uh, yes. And maybe you don't have people who are excited about tabletop gaming for whatever reason. It makes it really easy to connect with a whole bunch of new people who doesn't matter where they are, but you can connect and you guys can play. And it also allows you to, uh, in a safe environment, like you're not going over to some stranger's house like we used to do for <laughs> tabletop role playing, where you'd never oh, met and you're going yeah. to their basement to go and play this game for three hours that hopefully turns out okay. Uh, you can you can kind of feel out new games and feel out new game masters and and f- find out what's going to fit and be fun for you. We'll probably talk a little bit more of that in the con section yeah. of the show. <laughs> but yes, that the pro is like being able accessibility of just finding new people yeah. and finding an environment, even if it's not your local friends. It's so, but um, but to add to that is also if you've got friends you love, but everyone we get older. They have lives. They move. Oh, you no. can still play with your good friends that you had when you were a kid, mm-hmm. but they're in Chicago or they're in Canada or halfway in Japan. Who knows? Anywhere. Anywhere that has internet access, you can talk to them because the, the bare bones of what you need is ability to communicate. Uh, so typically that's a microphone, but it could be over. It could also be play by post, which is you just typing out an email or on a forum or on Discord, going, "This is what my character is doing," mm-hmm. and you go about doing it. Exactly. My entire youth, just nothing but forum chats of role play. <laughs> I hey, sh- 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 I remember AOL. So be quiet. Oh, same. I still have mine. Oh. 
Yeah. You still have the disc. That's important. Oh. <laughs> uh, you would be surprised. Uh, no, we're everywhere. Um, so, yeah, we're some accessible. other, so what do we think about, what are some other pros that we can come off the top of our head about? Well, just to kind of piggyback again, because y'all are giving such great suggestions. I like what you said about bringing in new elements, like either things you can do online, like me having my Discord. Like, that's just yeah. one thing. Uh, I, if I don't want them to hear certain things, I can just deafen them. It's simple. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I, and then I can just hone in on one person. You can't do that in person. Like, I'd have to take you to another room. <laughs> but it's nice being able to just give all these mystifying things. Adding, you know, music easily. Like, I know pulling out a whole speaker at home. And I'm like, <laughs> I gotta find the playlist. Like, I can just look up a song on YouTube and just enter it. And just little things like that. I think going online not only is a great peace of mind, but it also creates these new elements of just like, oh yeah, I can make this immersive. You can still have that same level of immersion. I think people say that a lot with the IRL situation. They're like, oh, well, I'm looking for the energy. I'm looking for the vibes. I'm like, you can still find that mm -hmm. online. It might be a little different, but it's still there. You gotta manufacture it a little bit more in my experience, but it can mm -hmm. be done. And mm -hmm. that leads me to my sort of a next pro slash discussion is the tools that we use as we go on to the digital space. Obviously, a lot of us use Zoom or Skype or any or Discord or Google Hangouts, whatever floats your boat. But there are a lot of online tools that help us role play, like, like uh, Tailspire, what we talked about earlier, which is that 3D rendered environment. That's a very elaborate version because that lets you have full sort of control over the environment and give a very as as much of a rendition of your imaginary world as possible. So, Chelsea, tell us a little bit more about Tailspire so we can kind of get the basis there. How much time do you have? Well, <laughs> I'm gonna, I, you have five minutes. I'm I can do the five-minute rundown. Um, I, I'll try to keep it short. Uh, Tailspire is this wonderful 3D simulator that I love. You can build any sort of map that you want. You can do dungeon crawls. You can build just random sets. You can even do modular pieces where if you want to go back to it to build a swamp, you can have all that. It's, it's a tool. That is, based down, it's a tool. And from there, I have built up campaigns like Rise of the Rune Lords, or, and it's really the only campaign. We've, we've gone through this one book. It's, it's taken me a year now. I'm like, oh my God, it's a long campaign, but I love it, I love it. Um, now with that, there's so many pieces that go to it. Uh, it goes by levels, so you literally build it up level by level. There's a slider where you can pull back things and you can go into houses and you can lock in the view. You have a DM's light, so you can literally flash lights down. They have animations for your mo your models um, you can even type in there as well which yeah. is really yeah. cool I love that you can have your characters talk um, they have initiative orders uh, what other useful DM things do they have cutscene mode if you want everybody to focus on one thing because you know you're moving around a 3d space so if you want everybody to focus on exactly the screen that you want them to see there's cutscene mode oh that's super rad that's love super cool. that love that um, I think there's also, you can do attack animations, you can do magical attack animations, anything that you can think of to visualize. They just put in going prone. Oh, I love that because I've been, we've been. I just don't tip, tip my little dude over. That's yeah, all I, do. I know, you think it was over. so simple. But with that, with your models, they don't want like the physics to be too crazy, so you can't just knock them over like I'd like to. <laughs> but it's cool. You can set them prone. The DM can set them prone. Mm. And uh, it, it just gives you more of that, that immersion when it comes to your actual play. No, that's super rad. That is super. So that's a very like sophisticated version. Uh, some simpler ones are like Roll20. Yes. Uh, well, and if you 
had experience with Roll20? Yeah, I've run, a, I've run a handful of games on Roll20. And what is your experiences with that? This is the one sort of like is the common, the one that most people know about. Yeah. Because it's sort of like the first kind of big one that sort of became a thing, and it still does a lot of elaborate integration. So Yeah, I went from some. I went from MS Paint to Roll20, which was Fair a, enough. Yeah, oh, very yeah. interesting. <laughs> uh, trans, like the, the awesome part about Roll20, Roll20, like all these platforms, has its pros and cons. Um, I think one of the awesome, the best parts about Roll20, first off, in the last year, year and a half, they've really added a lot of functionality mm -hmm. uh, because they've realized, hey, people <laughs> are playing more online and we want to give them, uh, give the people what they want. So they made, um, especially a lot of like uh, ease, ease of life uh, things where it's just, as, it's a lot easier now to control a lot of the elements that as a GM, as a, a game master running your games, you're able to do your fog of war a little bit easier. It's in a way that you unroll un your map for your players to be able to see it as they explore is a little bit easier. Um, but I think one of my favorite things about Roll20 as far as like the, the big pro is it Ha it comes with such easy, like self-encapsulated adventures. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to write your own stuff, if you don't like want to uh, put in a ton of work because you're busy, uh, which is fair. Because Tailspire does sound like you have to put a lot of work in to make it work. The wonderful thing about Tailspire is it's a community effort. Mm -hmm. So I was going to save this, Open but you've, you've pulled my yes. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've pulled my chain. Everything about Tailspire is all text. You can copy and paste your maps. In. Okay, that's mm. very cool. That's I, was say, I know, I know, it's OS, which is really great. It's uh, so and, cool. And, that, and that's for Roll Twenty. It's not as much OS. Uh, you're, you're definitely, you're purchasing a lot of the modules, um, but it comes like prepackaged. Uh, you're ready to go, uh, which is really nice. And then the other thing too is because they. Uh, if you're if you wanted to play a certain system, a ton of systems are are already calculated into how you roll you you function with roll twenty, so that it's really easy uh, for people to pick up who maybe especially if they don't have a lot of role playing experience or tabletop role playing yes. experience, it's much more of an ease of access, lower bar barrier to entry for newer players because you're like if you if I ask you to roll d twenty, you can just put roll twenty and it, it calculates yes. everything for you. Or um, click on your character sheet because they get fully integrated character sheets. Yeah. So once your character sheet is filled out with the stuff that you need to yeah. fill out, you just hit a button and it goes boom, and the GM and everyone sees the results, including damage and a whole bunch of others if and then statements. Yeah. Hit, and then you're able to sort of get the information from it, and you did nothing. You just hit yeah. a button. That was all you need to do. Yeah. I was definitely entered. I entered the role playing space playing Roll Twenty, and I think it's one of the greatest tools to use. Starting off as a role player because it's everything's just laid out. Yeah. It, they're just like Tailspire is great, but like Roll Twenty has this set in not only just in its own system and its tools but with the community as well yeah, yeah. So. it's got a huge amount of support that people have like oh, i need a workaround for this one thing that i'm trying to do because sometimes it takes time for them to program all the rules of a rule system because yeah. literally tabletop role-playing games are a computer simulation it's a program it's just they need to translate it from one thing to the next so roll 20 takes some time some people have some workarounds to temporarily like with the API and stuff, make their own character sheets that kind of work. They're not fully integrated, but they are as integrated as you can get at that moment. Yeah. And you can just go, you can start playing. And that a Roll20 has like full voice and video integration. Yeah. So you can just pop on, start and go. You don't have to do anything else other than that. Right. I, th I think uh, if there's a uh, downside to Roll20 is if you start to really try to build your own worlds and do your own narratives, Roll20 is not as intuitive as far as like how a building from scratch goes. Um, definitely, like uh, something like Tailspire or Foundry is a lot more uh, where you would want to be if you're if you're if you get inspired and you decide that you want to be a creator and uh, 
yeah build yeah. those out and it's interesting to see sort of this digital tool space because as more people play in the digital realm more people are getting involved in it which means we may get more and more sophisticated tools out of it going down to where a lot of role playing when we're much when we're older may become almost entirely digital and with a fully more realized sort of ar vr sort of experiences because things just compound on the, on themselves, right? Which mm. is super rad. We can I can actually look like I'm running around with a lightsaber yeah. and make a damn fool of myself. Upload my tabletop conscience, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Plug me That's in. The dream. So there are other tools uh, that we haven't mentioned. There's like Foundry, we've said. There's Fantasy Grounds, which is uh, predominantly a Pathfinder and D&D one, but they do a lot of other systems as well. We've got a new one called Demiplane. I haven't looked too much into it. I know that's produced a lot by some people that have been closer to associated with uh, Wizards of the Coast and other sort of online personalities have sort of worked together to develop it so that they have their own tools to present campaigns, similar to Talespire, a more rendered environment, that kind of stuff, which I find is super rad. All right, phone, you and me are going to have words. I'm, I just I just pulled up Demiplane just to check it out. They've yep. got a whole site, got sessions, tutorials. It looks like they even have video chat in here as well. Yeah, they, a lot of them are going for the full integration of video chat and audio chat. Oh, um, wow. So we're gonna we're now now we talked about some of the tools. Does anyone have any questions about the tools? Um, maybe we can talk about some of our experiences. If mm -hmm. you do, you can come up to the mic. Or if you don't feel if you don't want to, just raise your hand and I'll call. On yeah. You. Hi, my name is Alan, Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. Hi, Alan. Um, so I just recently starting adding digital in my game in the past year. It was really cool for two reasons. One, it allowed me to play with my son while he was stationed in Korea. Oh, yeah. Um, Hell, yeah. And the second with my brother while he was having his leg amputated. Oh, so, well, hopefully not during the amputation. Eh, shortly after. Okay, that's fair. Well, that was... I worked it into the story. That yeah. should have been real <laughs> interesting. But my question is, um, I want to flesh that out a little bit. I'm planning on building a digital tabletop. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? I've been using Roll20, but it's a pain to be logged in as a GM and then have the players logged into a separate game or, or a separate interface. Yeah. 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 That's that's just one of the things about Roll20 is the GM has sort of omni controls. And obviously, if you're logged in as a player and that, you only have what they only see certain parts that you want them to see. Uh, sorry, he needs to clarify real quick. No, what I mean by that is if I'm the GM. Yeah. And my computer's the one plugged into my display in my table. There's no way for me to block out what the players see. Uh, I have to have a second, unless that's why I'm they're, asking. They're you actually. Guys. Um, I. I. Sorry. I, I, you'll have to look this up. I cannot quote it off the top of my head. But there are tools that let you see what the PCs see without changing your your login or anything like that. Oh. There are shortcuts. For open in PC mode, and you can open. Two windows and just have yeah. That's a no. That's a no. Or it's literally it's something that's developed since I started using. It. Yeah, there's also literally like a control I or something button that if you click on one of their tokens that's on their maps, you see exactly at that moment what they see. So if they're if you've got fog of war up or something like that, you click over. Bada bing, you see what they. And that's also how you test to see if certain functionality. Because this is sort of new technology and we have to learn it, and we're not a, we're not programmers. You got to do a lot of like legwork and experimentation to see and like Google and ask other people, hey, how did you do this? Because the tutorials are fine, they're not perfect, and they're not telling you everything right off the bat. That's one thing that probably needs to help be done more is a lot better or robust tutorials to teach you everything you need to know so you can get everything out of it. 
Absolutely. All right, we had another question. Yeah, so you t we're talking about you know, the future of games and games becoming more digital. Do you think we're moving towards a space where games and popularity are going to start to be made or broken based on the availability of digital tool sets? I mean, you mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know, these new licensed RPGs coming out, but you know, if there's not easily available tool sets, you know, that people can just pick up and play with them, they're either going to have to, you know, go to a rules agnostic system and do a lot of legwork themselves, rely on fan projects that are going to be at the mercy of license holders versus, you know, you go, you know, D&D &D obviously is huge. You know, there's a ton of tools that you can just pick up off the shelf. So you think that's kind of a dark side or a double-edged sword to this momentum? Go ahead. So I'm glad you saw me leaning in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like it, it's definitely going to be that way for uh certain things especially uh, like Tailspire I could see falling in that direction where it's going to be picked up like this Hero Forge thing is definitely going to get way more people putting eyes on mm -hmm. it and once big names start to pick it up it's going to be hard to juggle that community and it's in our voices I'm so lucky that I've been in that community for six years now that it, I've gotten used to being there you know throwing my questions in there answered so quickly but then you, you, if you ever play like some like League of Legends or if you play any of the games, like they'll change things based on what the pros are doing. Like that's the meta. It's based on the big guys. So it's a scary way to lean, but I feel that there's hope because it's so open source that there's just no way that there's not, if people are complaining, 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 I feel like it's going to bubble up. I hope, I hope it doesn't go that way, but um, I, I feel you. My opinion's a little little different than that. I, I think you'll always, uh, barring uh, health reasons, will always have a physical pen and paper experience uh, because as much digital as we're talking about, and I totally believe in it, I think it's great, and you should use it and embrace it, there will always be the human element that's extremely hard to replicate in an environment. Uh, if you've done LARPing, obviously we've done a lot of tabletop, but if you've also done LARPing, you know that human energy and that you can't, you can't replicate in a digital space as readily. So unless things get extremely sophisticated, the, there will always be a physical, normal, mundane uh, pen and paper aspect to it. Um, but could it possibly get to the point where lots of money gets thrown around and the digital tools start make or breaking games? Possibly. I doubt it or at least not anytime soon. I think if a game is made well enough, the, the community will rally around it and create the tools themselves. That's true. Because I've, I've watched it, it literally happen with Morkborg. Uh, Morkborg. Yeah, Morkborg. They create, the, I mean, like the community there, if anybody's ever been on their Discord, it's uh, super It's super inclusive and empowering, which is amazing. And the community there has, they just built their own archive. They just did it because they're yeah. like, well, this isn't available. Nobody's working on this. I want this, well, I'm gonna just do it. Do it. And so like, if something's well-written enough and, and has like a unique offering that the community can rally around, they will. And uh, we've seen that time and time again. And yeah, as a nerd, us, us nerds, uh, if we find something that we love, like I, I get way too into it. And uh, I'll put all, all of my energy into making the experience better. So I think that that will always keep the, anything that's like smaller to, will bubble up if it's good enough. Um, and then the other thing is like, as a professional GM, I've run, the, I mean, there's been years where I ran over a hundred games in person. Uh, yes. So yeah, which is just uh, part of the part of the parcel of, of it, and and then when it went to digital, which just happened from COVID, I'd never run a digital game before. I'd probably run thousands of games, and I'd never run digital. 
I had to learn a whole new skill set. I had to learn a whole new way of, of playing, especially for paid games when people wanted me to uh, DM, GM professionally. I, I wasn't comfortable with what my offering was because I knew what I, could ex what I can provide in person and I knew what I could provide digitally and I wasn't there yet. So I did a lot of practice and training and um, classes to get there. But my, my point being is like, it's such a different experience. It's so different in every way that uh, you'll always have people gravitate towards different things. Like it'll never. Oh, hopefully that answered your question in a rambling sort of way. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so obviously digital tools, really super useful. There's a lot of stuff we can do with them and we should embrace them. Um, but we're gonna talk now a little bit more about the cons. Um, the reason I bring this up is because with anything that's new, new tools, they can be used for good or for ill as we said. And we had, there are some cons that are there. And I'm going to have Alan start with this because he brought up a really good point uh, that I would like to hit off. Accessibility. Yeah. The financial accessibility of it. Yeah. I, I, so because of the nature of, of goblins and growlers, we GM at a lot of local breweries. That's how we started out was GMing hundreds of people at breweries. Um, and the nice thing about that, our whole goal was lowering the barrier to entry for people to come and play tabletop so they didn't have to go to a, a game store and have people uh, gatekeep and prevent a ton exactly. of people from, from doing it. And since we have a very diverse GM staff, it, we were able to provide this place where people could come and they can just come and play. And one of the, the difficulties with COVID, one of the things that we've realized with our audience is like, there's a, still a good number of people who uh, can't afford to have a computer that can run uh, a tabletop game can't afford a mic so that they can actually like have a, a good experience and be able to communicate well can't afford a, a camera can't afford um, even internet for for some of our players um, or the computer itself like the yeah. physical computer that can do it yeah and that's it sucks I mean it's it's a it's a very high barrier to entry that a lot of times we take for granted um, but is is unfortunate when it comes to and, and that's another reason why I don't think anything will ever fully shift digitally because at the end of the day, one of the reasons why I got into tabletop was because I didn't have the money to do a lot of other things and I didn't need a lot to just go and, and I remember just saving up at my first job so I could buy the player's handbook and then from there you can kind of cool. create your own like, world. Yeah, yeah. so um, I, I think I, uh, that's unfortunately like w one of the re like rough cons that has come about from, um, from COVID is it's restricted a lot of people from being able to play tabletop games. Yes, for real. Yep. Um, and what, uh, Chelsea, what about you? What are some unfortunate uh, side effects of going digital? With that, it comes with the, I know you have accessibility. That kind of tops that is, well, not tops that, it bumps off of that is the skill cap. Yeah. It's like getting everybody yeah. just up to speed, like teaching someone a new software. That's hard. Uh, I know for me, I have to basically have a whole method introducing someone to Tailspire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, hey. Um, I'll slide into your DMs and be like, hey, you want to play a game with me? They're like, oh, sure. And I'm like, oh, let me show you my last game. And I show them all the pretty and shiny things. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it can look like this. <laughs> we can do this. It's so great. And then once they seem to be super hooked on that, then I'm like, all right, we're going to keep it super simple. I bought all of the copies that everyone plays with because it's expensive. Yeah, like, yeah it can get expensive. Dropping $30 on Tailspire, is, is, I can't expect people to do that just to play with me. I think that's unreal. So I bought at least five copies just so if anybody ever wants to try it, all I have to do is give them the login. Like they install it from yeah. my login and they got it. But 
that's another barrier. Like yeah. it, it's expensive. You got to learn the system. So you got to go and get out of work and I got to sit down and <laughs> practice this game that I don't know anything about. And yeah, and, and just taking that time. It's, yeah. it, you have to find people who are super invested. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, a, that's sort of a thing of like when you're introducing special people who are more skittish about doing online stuff is they're already skittish enough if you're like, hey, I want to play a game because the classic one. I want to play a game. Yeah, I want to <laughs> play a game. Uh, no, the classic thing of like, I, I know D&D, but I want to play another game. And then getting to get people outside of that environment of learning a new system. Yes. And that's doubly so, as Chelsea said, towards teaching them how to interface with some of these digital tools. Now, some of it stuff is super simple. You just use Zoom, have your camera, have your mic, you're done. You don't have to do any much. You roll your own dice, you have your own character sheet, just like if you were in the room with somebody else. But when you're using more sophisticated tools, it, that becomes an issue because I know people who are like, I don't know if I want to do this. And I'm like, don't worry, I've handled all of this for you. You kind of have to ease them into it, as Chelsea exactly. said, yeah. and go, it's not that hard. Click a button, do a thing. And and it really helps, especially if you're a GM and you're like, I want to run a game for my friends, but they're very hesitant. Go ahead and like learn the tools that you're using. Please do. Like Roll20, Talespire, whatever it is. Like Really get into the guts of it. And so when they have like, how does this thing work? You're, you're there. Because the moment you stop knowing... And you're like, I don't know, they're going to start losing interest, especially if yes. it's like the first game or something, and then it's going to start falling apart. I promise you, it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, oh, just, my God, bugs. Yeah, yeah, that's bugs. another thing. Yeah. yeah. Just issues, like Tailspire went down yeah. during one of our sessions. It was just like, oh, well, crap, I guess we're going to have to theater the mind, this guy's. Like, it's, oh, no! Yeah, it, <laughs> it only happened once. And, and, and that, that that's something, like, Games go down, servers go down, stuff yeah. goes down. Yeah, it's not perfect. Your game is on someone else's computer. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, what happened with me uh, when COVID hit, all my games went digital, and we started rolling, doing Roll Twenty. Luckily, we were already in Roll Twenty; we, we were familiar with it. But all the servers were like, yeah, because yeah. they were like everyone's trying. Because Tailspire, you have to pay. Sounds like to get it, but like Roll Twenty, a few others have free accounts. It's you don't, you may not get all the functionality of it, but you get most of it, enough mm -hmm. to be a player. And so all the people that have never really used it all clogged the Roll20 servers and are like, and Roll20 people are like, oh my God, everything is on fire, but we're getting so much money. And so that that's a situation they have to deal with. It's just digital, there is going to be hiccups. There's going to be technical issues with the game um, that you just kind of have to deal with. And that's extremely unfortunate, but it's, kind of no different than it's like hey i can't make game tonight because my car broke True. or mm -hmm. like yeah. i have my something came up with my family and i've got to go do it and i just can't That's so i mean Never there's problems every which way you go um some of the other cons um the unfortunate side effects doing something digital well let's say you want to branch out you're like hey i love my friends but they don't have time for my games i really love this niche game um let me go find other people online well, you can do that, but we, as a more digital savvy people, we understand you have the rando problem. Mm -hmm. Because here's the issue, that Roll20, probably Tailspire has the same issue, mm -hmm. something like this. You go anywhere like, hey, I wanna run a game. Everyone's like, sure, oh my God, you're running a game. They run up to you, you start gathering the people, and then you have your session zero, or even your first session, and you're like, oh my God, none of these people get it. Mm -hmm. Like, just no one clicks. Everyone's got different expectations, 
Everyone's got different things. Some people, I play people with people in Australia. You want to talk about scheduling on that? <laughs> I literally have to think 15 hours ahead to figure out what the hell is going on because I don't know if they're going to show up. Um, and so it's a situation where in those in, in the rando problem is you're going to get people you may not gel with. Mm -hmm. uh, have you guys had that experience at all? <laughs> you asked me if I've had that experience. Uh, yeah, I absolutely have, but because I am such an amazing person, I make any awkward situation go away. So humble, so humble. So humble, right? And I make it go away by banning them. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> we get them out of there. We, uh, we got to run, I won't say this is an exact replica, but it was very different for the me. The names were changed for their anonymity. Basically, yeah. We, we ran a system that was based on Star Wars. It was really, really cool. It was my first time doing it. Um, I had it. I didn't DM it. Uh, somebody DM'd it for us, and I played with completely new sets of people. Mm -hmm. uh, we kind of knew them, but we had never played, yeah. and I didn't know them in person. I didn't know them at all, so it was just like, oh, all right, all right. We got in. The system was different. It wasn't like a D twenty thing. It was uh, when you roll the dice, you get like all these symbols. So already, oh, yeah, the, mm -hmm. the fantasy flight. Yes. The, yeah, the, the, yeah, the Genesis yes. system. That dice system is awesome. I was, I love it is so much. It is so cool. That was the learning combat yeah. for that was so, so exciting. Good. The DM, <laughs> the DM was so good. Gave us so many resources. I'm not a reader. I read, but outside of the stuff I read for, I don't really read. I get it. So, I can't read. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't read. Yeah. So for me, I have to have stuff like explained to me. But after he explained it, it was beautiful. I was like, okay, I get it. Triumphs, you know, you got failures, X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But, you know, having to, you know, you have to like push people to do stuff. In yeah. a, in a, so that was me for a lot of this. I was like, Okay, we're gonna go down here. We're gonna find these these imposters, and we're gonna shoot them dead. You were you were Leroy Jenkins I was, the party I was forward. Like, yeah. like you gotta push. You know, like it it it's not that anyone's bad or like a, a toxic individual. It's just like, hey guys, we. I want to do how you roll play. something. You need to, you need to do something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've got all these dice, and I really want to roll them. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's so many. If you do FFG, it's so oh, many. Oh, uh, so so it's funny you said that. Right now, we have a uh, on the Patreon. We have a uh, Star Wars uh, Genesis system actual play on. So one buck a month will get you access to that, and wow. it's hilarious. It's almost like man, we didn't we didn't plan that, but I'm glad that that <laughs> worked out that way. All I, exactly. say is, all I have to say, guys, is Tauntaun means family. Oh, <laughs> You don't know. No, you. No. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. But yeah, that's that's kind of the general consensus. Whenever I my experience, because I I like to think I'm a people person. No matter who I talk to, I can at least talk to you. We can have some sort of conversation. Mm -hmm. So my experience is I'm always pushing people. I'm like, okay, all right. I know you you're not used to this, but we're gonna do this. Okay, you're gonna yeah. get in there and you're gonna do your roles. Yeah. <laughs> and Alan, what about you? Have you had the rando problem? Yeah, well, since Chelsea is a people person, I'm a cat person, so a little different, but the what happens when you're a cat person is you choose the people you play with, and so I have never had the rando problem, because I, I'm almost never playing a game that I'm not doing for, for professionally, I, just because of the nature of, of what I do, it's almost I always. I love that. So <laughs> it, it is, it was, it really, there's a, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> I uh, because you really have to be on uh, when when you're doing that, but I, it's rare. It's rare that I am not a GM. Uh, mm. As that's part oh, you're of, one of those forever GMs. Part of the forever process. GM. I, I was gonna say I do have a I do have a I get to play a character on our podcast, but that's also one of those where it's like 
this is uh, people listen to this. Uh, we have a, a Patreon and people support this, and I really need to make sure I'm on. So I never, I never. That's a whole other episode. Right. But I do talk a lot to uh, in our Discord. The whole goal of our Discord is to lower Goblin the Growlers Discord. Um, the whole goal is to lower the barrier to entry to play. So a lot of people do talk to me about randos and et cetera, like especially when things don't gel and mix. My number one piece of advice, and I get this question a lot when I'm doing other uh, conventions, is talk to your players beforehand, talk to them during, and if it just isn't working out, sometimes the game isn't for them. There's so many games out there, there's so many different GMs, there's so many different styles, and if you have that clear communication because you're a people person, or <laughs> if you don't have that clear com communication and you know you just boot them, it's not it's not a bad. I don't think it's a bad thing to do because you need to you need to enjoy it if you're a GM. You need to enjoy it if you're a player. You need to have that. Uh, there's so many games out there. There's so many things. Find the one that fits you. There's got there is one. It's the classic. It's a game. Yeah. In the end yeah. of the day, you always got to remember. I know we take things seriously. We're, we're gamers. Yeah. Uh, but mm -hmm. in the end of the day, and this is something I've learned as I've gotten older, it is a game. And um, while I'm not a whole bent of just like booting someone unless they're completely an asshole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's one of those situations of you're absolutely correct. Talk to them beforehand. Set those expectations. That's the big thing here in Bali, Adrian. Set the expectations with the session zero. So that and invite and talk to. It. If these two know that before this panel, I talked to them on Zoom so I could get to know them. So I could mm -hmm. remember Alon because he's been on a couple panels, but you know, life's crazy and I forget <coughs> things. But I'd never met Chelsea before, and I was like, hey, Chelsea, let's get on, let's talk, let's talk, talk about the show. That was, quote unquote, a session zero. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get to know Chelsea, and Chelsea got to know me so that we knew how we could potentially gel on the panel, which is something you should do online when you're about to do a game. If you put a post up going, I want to run a game or I want to be in a game and you start connecting with people, you definitely need to have like, I need to talk to these people first to know who they are and get an idea and see if we can gel. Because I've had the rando problem severely because I love really niche games that none of my friends want to, not, want to either run or play in, which is mostly 40K stuff and, and uh, Warhammer and Games Workshop stuff. And they're all like, I find people, but that environment can be very problematic yeah and so i've had people and they weren't bad quote-unquote people no one was toxic but they were all i want to do this thing and i have this vision of the game in my head and all of us were like had a different vision of the game some of us gelled more than others but then eventually just all fall apart because no matter how much you manhandle that game you're not gonna yeah. it's just gonna fall apart because it's gonna be more work than sort of the fun and entertainment you get out of it. So feel free to go, hey guys, I don't think this is working, and do something else for the rando problem. I think that's one of the bigger problems, with especially like one of the hurdles you have to come over. Yeah. Because with friends, especially when you're younger going to school, you find people, it may be a closed community, but at least you get to know them in person. Like, I know this person, we can gel, but as you start branching out and you go to the wider world, it can be problematic and it can be troubling. It is the same for in person, though. Like, yeah, for those of you who've true. been doing tabletop long enough, you met somebody in a Denny's parking lot to be like, <laughs> I need to figure out if I can play in your game, but I don't want to meet you uh, at your house or whatever <laughs> to try to figure out if it would gel. And so, having your session zero online rather than in a Denny's parking lot, nice upgrade. Yes. Uh, uh, unless you're unless you're hungover, then it's a downgrade because you go into the Denny's afterwards. You yeah. gotta write a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you gotta write a book. I'd read that. <laughs> All your D your your Pathfinder look at me yeah. Pathfinder experience all your role playing experience I need to know um, just to kind of I don't really like to dive into like 
bad experiences because mm-hmm. that's not the goal but to give you an idea just a little further the um the one time i jumped into a virtual game because i've basically spent half of my time playing in person and the other half now like as of today it's been all virtual um the last time i did a virtual game with other people that i had barely knew like i might have talked to them online we had never done a voice chat uh, they seem very cool. Like, like even sometimes it's strange because you might talk to some people, but you have to pull out the questions. You need to be specific. Like, they need to go over your X cards. They need yeah. to talk about what you're comfortable with or uh, how they play. There was one game I jumped in, and the DM would get excited because their NPCs or their enemies were, like, hitting us or killing us. Like, they get excited that we were dying. And that was so strange to me. <laughs> like, it, to, to, I didn't think it was because the other players didn't seem to have an issue with it. I didn't chalk it up to being a problem. But then later after that game, I was like, you know what? I don't like that. I had never experienced it before. But I was like, I don't like that. And I'm not going to I'm not going to play like that anymore. So I've been taking my notes and I ask questions of GMs now. I'm like, hey, do you play like this? Just straight up. Yeah, that's all the expectations. Like, what? how do you view the game? Even to the Mm -hmm. GM, like, in Session Zero, I know we're not talking strictly digital stuff here, but it's all part of role-playing, is in the digital space, like, to the GM going, the players may have their expectations, and the GM has the expectations of players, but the players should have expectations for the The game master. Because Mm -hmm. it's like, how do you run your game? How do I talk to you if there's a problem? What issues do you want us not to bring up? Uh, recently, we're doing this really cool um, uh, Trinity Continuum Aeon game. We've already announced it. The, when the Kickstarter goes live, we'll be doing an actual play series. Uh, and we And when Eddie GM does, at the very beginning of our session zero, he asked a lot of questions. He went down the RPG list of these are the things we can and cannot cover. What is everyone comfortable with? I hadn't experienced that directly because... I generally role play with my friends. Therefore, I know where they're coming from. And if there's an issue, it's very easy to resolve. So I don't think I don't have to go through that sort of more bureaucratic aspect. But if you're with random people and you're sort of getting to know each other, it's an excellent, almost necessary way of operating, in, especially in the digital space, because you get more random people. Yeah. You get more, mm-hmm. more people you do not know. And, and Chelsea brought up a, a best practice, uh, which we'll, I, I'm just going to dig into real quick in case you haven't heard it, which is called the X factor. Uh, we call it X going to give it to you. <laughs> Essentially what it is is like if something gets covered in a game that it makes you uncomfortable for whatever reason, you give some type of visual X or indicator, the GM who is a good GM who's talked to you beforehand and established that this is something that they're comfortable doing goes back in time and then brings the adventure down another path. They don't ask why you X the thing unless you guys have that relationship and can talk about that. Um, but they, uh, you, you just continue the game and uh, nobody there is a therapist. And if they are, they're off work. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, and this, so yeah. you, you Ooh, move on. But that's a session. really awesome yeah. thing to have in your games, really awesome best practice for GMs and for players uh, just to make sure that you are enjoying your tabletop game, which you should. It's escapism. Don't. Uh, There's a well, reason why they have ratings on games. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's yeah. kind of the same thing. It's just a maturation of the of the space uh because we has to be more inclusive it has to it's bringing more people on so we have to have the tools and the maturity to handle it and so this is why i know again not talking about digital tools but also very important is having these sort of session zeros expectations 
delivered and sort of managed and knowing what people are and are not comfortable with. I think that's a, but that's a great way to tie it into digitally. Like during a game, instead of, you know, like you don't have to call it out or pull it next, you can just literally DM them. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. true. Yeah, it that's makes totally cool. Yeah, another little pro is you can, you can, you can easily private message or direct message someone, your GM going, my character is doing this, and you don't necessarily have to tell the rest of the players. Mm-hmm. That's actually kind of cool because there's a, that way no one's quote-unquote metagaming. The ones are like, hey, they're, they're, they're going off in that room a lot and talking to themselves, or they do stuff between sessions and stuff like that, so that it creates a more era, uh, era ugh, oh, wow, that was awful. Uh, sort of a uh, atmosphere, that was the word, Matt, uh, of mystery and sort of tension in that. But we are getting close. We've got about 10 minutes. If people have questions, uh, stuff like that, please go up to the mic. And if you're not comfortable doing it, just raise your hand. We'll call on you. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that flew. Yeah. How'd y'all do that? Mm-hmm. I got like a time Red warp. Bull. We, we, Red Bull. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hello. Hi there. Uh, so... First off, before I even get to the question, uh, in regards to safety tools, uh, there are elements where that's being tied into, like Roll20 actually has like a deck of cards that you can basically throw a card if necessary in a game for slow down, pause, um, you know, and so those are, those are now, because they're important, they're being added into the digital space because of course we're all there a lot. Uh, Question-wise though, um, you brought it up on different elements, one with the human factor, uh, one with, um, you know, the discussion of different types of games like theater of the mind. Do you feel like there are some games or even genres like horror that are better done in digital or outside digital? Mm, Good question. Um, Well, with the digital space, we have more of the computing power to handle more visual representation. Therefore, genres that lend themselves to a visual representation like action, like like tactical type of stuff, will obviously have a leg up in a digital space. But horror, because Abby, I, I know you, she's a personal friend of the show, uh, We there have been, uh, what was the game called, you've read it for like my wife, it, that you used? Uh, that the name? We've played yeah. both 10 Candles and Misspent Youth. Well, it was Misspent Youth, or no, it was uh, Someone's Missing. Uh, Alice is Missing. Alice yes, is Missing. Alice is Missing was very interesting because oh, uh, Roll20, yeah. Accessibility was built into the Kickstarter as a growth option. Yeah, that was another thing that they did. And Alice's Mythic was, was one of those things that you can play it in physical, but it it's derived almost to be done in digital or via your phone because it's a text message. Yeah. You don't role play in a we're talking to each other. The whole point is to send messages about a friend that's missing, and you can only use text. Yep. And so you're like, as the, and as time progresses, real real world time progresses, you have to you get message from the GM about stuff that's going on, and you have to text your friends, and you're like looking at your phone, going, you're waiting for that message from your friend because you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So that's another way of using a digital media that people are using the digital media to enhance an experience. Now, Alice's Missing is a role playing game, but it's not like a long term role-playing game. It's a one-and-done sort of a situation. But it's really neat. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for that question. Yeah, so some genres will be better apt for digital. Um, Theater of the Mind will always be there because it's everyone's imagination. We basically have a supercomputer in everyone's skulls right now. Yeah. Um, So that will always be there, but it always helps to have a visual aid, right? Yeah, go ahead. So you're mentioning a lot of digital tools for over the internet, but I'm trying to use digital tools in my real meat space game. Sure. To enhance it. 
Um, one of my big concerns is finding something that's either open source, truly not monetized. If it's not monetized, they don't advertise. They don't have the money for it. So right. looking for places to find free stuff. Open community can make whatever they want to be used in person with a computer screen up or things like that. Like suggestions look. or help. I see. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say there's some really awesome. Uh, I don't I don't frequent Reddit for my own personal health, um, <laughs> but there's some really awesome uh, on the tabletop uh, Discord for Reddit. They actually have made a visual uh, all the open source tools that you can use, and they've yeah. made a chart that's just there. Uh, you can literally just message I think somebody anybody on that channel, and after uh, somebody will, somebody will help point you in like the right direction. Thirty million people probably will. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, Roll Twenty has free accounts even for GMs. And you can do it all yourself. It's a lot more legwork, but you've got to do, but there's free. Like um, before COVID, yeah. I was doing our big me Dungeon of the Bad Mage D&D game, which is going, we're almost to level 20, everyone. Woo. Uh, <laughs> the, we were, because it's such an, it's a mega dungeon, therefore there's a lot of maps, and we were playing it, but sort of theater of the mind, and oh my god, that was impossible. Because mm -hmm. we were physically having to hand write out the maps. I was like, I can't do this, because I cannot visualize where we are in the in the dungeon because it's so expensive. I bought and we put up on a big flat screen my laptop and we projected just one of the loaded maps for it yep. up there and we had a one little icon that was the party so we could at least I could go okay you guys are right there. I yep. knew the dimensionality of it because it's just hard to physically do that without something like an aid. Now we're purely digital and we won't go back cuz Accessibility, as I said earlier, I was going to talk about this. Just being, because it's so convenient for us just to log onto our computers and all the contents loaded up on Roll20, don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to do anything. We're all set, ready to go. Exactly. Yeah. So, but thank you for the question. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely yeah. check out that Reddit. Talk to people online. There's a lot more helpful people online than you think. Just yeah. be careful. Oh, yeah. Please yeah. do. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to add. Really, the free accounts for Roll20, it, it's it's actually almost easier to do the in-person stuff because a lot of what you get for paying for it helps you more if you're doing virtual. Because well, it's like the, API, the APIs are less important if you're doing... Yeah. But Roll20 is still a company and they want to get paid. I don't blame them for that. But if there's definitely... I don't know personally know of a lot of the free tools if you find them, email the show, let us know so we have more information. Because I never really looked into it. I've only worked, worked in recent, I even, I forgot about Telespire until she told me about it. <laughs> and then I looked into it and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> this I know. is amazing. Yeah, it's a lot. Because it's, it's I, expansive. I am blown away with what they've done in the past, like, six years. But yeah. um, just to kind of piggyback off of your free options, like, honestly, if you're trying to do it at home, I would have jerry-rigged the crap out of that setup. I'd have been like, you know what, guys? We're going to get a screen real quick. I'm going to pull my TV over. You guys sit over here, and I'm going to get my Chromebook and set up my HDMI. And I know that's all, that's all hardware, but like just any way that I can pour it out. Like, even well, if I had to get a, a tablet You or always have MS Paint. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Heck, yeah. yeah. Literally. Heck, yeah. yeah. yeah you always have you can always, if you want to do some graphical design, you can make your own maps, do your stuff. But if you're talking about programming your own stuff, that's a whole other level that I Go cannot to Unity. You know, comment on. I'm I'd love to see it. I'd okay. love to yeah, see yeah. that. Yeah. I was just gonna say I'm a ludite. Like get it, get a map tattooed on you. Like go in, yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. heck yeah. Like really commit. commit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there was a question over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was gonna say uh, Ultimate Games Master. Ultimate, Ultimate Games Master is an app. Basically, what they've done is they've taken things like 
Sirenscape and all of the individual things, and they've made it one entire package. And um, while it is not free, it is very inexpensive. It's pretty ultimate. It is pretty ultimate. I'm looking at it. They got a Kickstarter going, but it is also live as well. You know, if there's something that's super awesome, let me just jump in real quick if you don't mind. Like, there's so many amazing creators on Kickstarter. If you're sitting there trying to create maps and it's hard for you, do what I do and pay somebody three dollars a month to get killer killer maps and just like upload those. Yeah. Like, it's amazing how talented all these people are on on Patreon, on Kickstarter. Uh, Find find some people who can give you the tools that you need to be a a GM and uh, support support creators. Yeah. There's thousands of resources out there that you're, even yeah if it's your own personal game and you're not making money off it or anything like that google image search is great because you can just pull up and go the dragon looks like this and this is amazing artwork that you Look, that's what you i mean you, you didn't have to work on yeah and you're like oh, right. oh, my, oh my gosh it's hagrid i'm like that's that's, that's about you're it you're a wizard harry yeah. uh yes question and uh, just as an add-on i will i'll add that tailspire uh i've used it myself as well and uh, the community around it is great because they even have uh, like a website called Tales Tavern. Yes. Where you can go to Tales Tavern and you can just look up whatever you need. Say you need a map, but you need a bar or something. Yeah. Type bar. You find a bunch of community made yeah. bars. Just control C, copies it, copy yeah. text. Paste it straight in. I just want to reiterate that uh, Polyhedron is not currently sponsored by Tailspire or any of the uh, Roll20 <laughs> or any my, of these other things. I wanna, blame it on me. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. I'm just letting everyone know we're not sponsored by them. I'm going to reiterate for him that if Tailspire wants to inspire <laughs> yeah. his podcast, hey. yeah. Tailspire, if you have a creator program, boom, always. Yeah, I think you need one. We I think need you one got at a really good, uh, good, good sponsor, uh, yeah. good sh- uh, show woman right here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I, I, you've done a lot of work with Tailspire before, Chelsea. I, okay, okay, okay. This is where we're going. All right. yeah. we, we've had the opportunity to work with Tailspire. It was awesome. We've run two uh, streams with them now. Uh, I did my first By All Means Magical episode with them. It was really, really cool. Uh, it's just a new thing that we were doing with all Fae. Because there's not, I, I just wanted to dive right into the Feywilds Wilds for D&D. So that was my thing. And then another thing that we did beforehand. But I think Tailspire definitely for the digital age, it's it's a step up. Yeah, like it's if, the next thing. It's the next thing. If you're going entry level, I would definitely hold back because it's a lot to learn. Okay. Well, but, unfortunately, yeah. we've got to wrap up. I apologize. If you still have questions, hang yes. out after the panel. We will happily answer them, but we got to sort of wrap things up. So, Chelsea, where can people find you online? Absolutely. Hi, Chelsea Bites again. You can find me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I have a Discord, all of those good places. I'm a computer scientist. We just raised money for our PC giveaway. So, we're about to build a $4,000 PC. Ah, so yeah. great. Gosh. Doing it. What'd you say? I oh with a Y yes yeah. Chelsea bites I, you know people say that I bite so that's the joke here but yeah definitely B Y T E S that sounds like computer science and Alan mm. what about you yeah I uh, you can find me I'm on the uh, Goblins and Growlers Discord Goblins and Growlers that everything is our inclusive community through tabletop gaming group I also have a podcast called Quid Pro Roll where it's a bunch of professional GMs who uh, <laughs> just uh, drive each other insane. Uh, not even slowly, it's very quick. Uh, also, uh, there's a podcast called Goblins and Growlers Podcast where we talk about TTRPG news. And then lastly, I'm at the Dungeon Meowster, uh, raising 
raising. Uh, I do a lot of charities, tabletop charities, raising money for uh, homeless cats and, and TNR. Yeah, so that's all my that's all my shtick. Hey. Otherwise, I'm also next door in 30 minutes doing <laughs> another <laughs> panel. Uh, you so, haven't got yeah. enough here. Yeah. And, uh, obviously, I've already introduced myself. So the show is at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com or at polyhedronpodcast on Twitter. And it's polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com for the email. Um, and as always, from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your friend is and go roll some dice. Yay! Hello everyone, Matthew here. If you enjoyed the show, you can always contact us at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com as well as at polyhedroncast on Twitter. And if you want to get in touch with me, I'm at Divis Melkab on Twitter. And I'm at Arduous, R-J-U-O-U-S on Twitter. And if you really want to show your support and get some extra content on the side, head on over to patreon.com slash polyhedron.